Hello and welcome to Plastic Cups Inside Paper Cups Inside Plastic Cups. I'm Dennis Wilson and this is Omar Rabadi. Hey there, Omar. How are things for you? I usually say well or good when you ask me that, but it's been such a uh, weird and weird's not the right word. It's been such a tough week, everything going on across the country that doesn't feel right to say I'm doing well, but yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll say that uh, I'm not I'm not doing well because of outside circumstances, not anything specifically that's happened to me. So how how are you? Yeah, I think it's fair not to say that th that things are good. Um, yeah, I mean it becomes a very complex question, I guess, but personally. Um, you know, I'm, I'm safe, uh, physically. <laughs> um, and so are most of the people I know. Um, but you know, I think, I don't know, just, I think anything but well, uh, mentally and emotionally, I would say, not that you need to call anybody to help me right now, but like, you know, just, yeah, it's just not, it's not a good time. Yeah, so you, for those of you who don't live in Philadelphia, Dennis lives uh, kind of on the main street of the neighborhood called Northern Liberties, and it hasn't been hit as badly as Center City has been by looting, and there haven't been as many protests up there, but what, what have, exactly have you seen in your neighborhood? Yeah, um... Well, I don't know, maybe before we get into that, it's a fair question and I think we want to talk about what we know and that's something I can speak to. Um, but, you know, to just be honest, like I was like, not sure, you know, if I'm being honest, like not sure if we should, I, I do want to do this podcast, but like, I wasn't sure if we should do it because I wasn't sure, you know, if I, if I was like mentally prepared for it, you know, um, be, and, and, and part of it has to do with, I don't I think there's, there's no way that we can fully process everything that's, that's happened. Um, but I also don't want, you know, I want to offer some caveats, I guess. I, I, I don't, so I feel like I might want to start there. Okay. We can start wherever you want to start. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, because I don't want to, you know, I, I think there's, um, um, well, I, I actually, I was listening to Mark Marin podcast today just by chance and I haven't listened to it in a long time and I don't usually listen to the opening because usually he just drones on about his anxiety and everything but he said something he obviously was talking about everything going on in the country today or these days and he said it's hard for me to see past my selfish pain um, and I thought that was kind of a good way to put things in terms of you know there's obviously a degree of empathy that we should all be feeling to a greater, the greater things that are going on. Um, but like, also I, it's, it's impossible not to like feel, you know, like what you, f you feel as a, as a selfish human being. Um, so I would say that, and, you know, I, I don't want anything like to come off as like, if we get, end up talking about like, what any of this means, I don't know if we're going to go there, if we're just going to talk about like our experience. Um, you know, I don't want to come off that, that I think I have some sort of answers or anything like that. Um, so I don't know, we could come back to that, but I just wanted to say that like, I, I can kind of report on how I feel and what has occurred and, and then we can go from there, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody listening knows the context of what's been happening, but, you know, obviously the police killing in Minneapolis, the entire, you know, the entire history of police brutality, conflict between police and civilians, and there's obviously that context to what's going on across the country and in Philadelphia where we live, you know, so not, you know, nothing we talk about today 
you know, exists in just a vacuum of, right. well, this is what we saw the last week. There's a larger context to, to everything. Right. Okay. That's, that's very well put. I appreciate that. So you had asked me, you know, what's, I guess, what did you ask me? <laughs> yeah. So I asked, uh, so, where, where we live. Yeah. Yeah. What, what has it been like where you live? Um, yeah, it's not, you know, so, um, yeah, for those not in Philadelphia, you know, by, by some perspectives, I do live in like the main city, but, you know, um, uh, not in the center city area where I think it's been the mo main focal point, like city hall and surrounding areas for, um, the protests, um, which have also included, you know, violence and, and, and looting. Um, but that said, you know, it's still, you know, um, constant and now not any longer, but I'd say Saturday through, through Tuesday, constant helicopter presence above um, at night and in the day. And then at night, you know, a lot of bangs and booms um, that I think in some cases are people trying to, we've seen a lot of cases in Philadelphia, people trying to blow up ATMs with like M80s and I guess maybe quarter sticks of dynamite and most of that. And before, before, before I forget, I just want to ask, what exactly are the helicopters doing, do you think? Are they trying to take images, take photographs? There's obviously they're not going to like land and like intervene in a situation. Yeah, no, it's all about, it's all about like a surveillance to, I would say probably, I mean, two main things is crowd movements for protests as well as for for looting. So, um, you know, it's like a kind of like air superiority is one of the most important things in, you know, uh, in, con in, in, in controlling a conflict. And so, um, yeah, they're just, you know, they're, they're saying, okay, I, I would assume, and I'm not a police, uh, policing expert, obviously, but that they're saying, okay, well, we got a large group headed to the, you know, this, this mall, we better get some, some, some people on the ground over there. And, and the same thing for the protest, protesting groups. Um, I'm not saying these are necessarily, I don't want to get into whether those are mutually exclusive things, but um, you know, the same thing if, if they're okay. Cause I don't think it's like, not all this, like, it's not like these things are very much pre-planned, especially in like Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Um, so if like, I think hundreds of people are going down the Ben Franklin, all of a sudden they divert toward down the broad street or something. It's like, well, they, they need, they need to be able to see that happening i think from from the air you could see that happening much quicker that makes sense yeah so yeah and then um you know there has been some some um a handful i would say of um businesses that had their windows broken and let's say you know one of them was um a uh, guy um who runs the liberty parcel of a package store in in northern liberties that known for a good 10, 15 years and Morris, who our friend Morris knows as well too. Um, so that, you know, put that in context. I mean, I, I've heard about two or three of those in the neighborhood. You know, we've had that much probably in, uh, in, uh, you know, a, a couple weekends of drunken people, you know, breaking windows. So, uh, all said, you know, it's, it's, it's not like that alone is, is what I would say, causes a sense of unease. Um, but all things combined is, you know, I think Saturday night through Tuesday was really like being in a setting. I've a seen a setting I've never, I've never experienced in my life. Um, and, and, you know, just to put, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's how I'd say I describe it now, you know, um, you're down on the other side of the city in, in South Philly. So what's it been like down there? It's been calmer where I live. I live further from like the business district of my neighborhood than you do compared to your, the business district of your neighborhood. Uh, and I also, I haven't traveled more than like three or four blocks from where I live. I haven't really had anywhere to go or any reason to go too far from where I live. Uh, so none of the, Businesses where I live seem like they've been smashed or destroyed. 
uh, I'm not positive. I don't think anything has been damaged on Tashyan Cav, but I, I'm not positive about that. So I haven't, you know, done a complete survey of it. I haven't really seen anything in the news about it. You know, I've seen people gathering to protest and chanting, but that's really about the extent of what I've seen from where I live. It's a little, I haven't noticed any helicopter crisis where not I live. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah. So are, are a lot of shops boarded up in your neighborhood? No, I mean, the convenience stores and the little corner bakery, like, they've been open as usual. Huh. Uh, yeah, like, eh, I, there's a lot. I, I, uh, I live on 2nd Street, and there's tons of retail. And they, I think they, <laughs> I mean, hopefully there's not more of it, you know, more of the smashing. Um, but I feel like they did it, most of them did it, like, two days, three days too late. Um, but now, you know, the the... 3J's Deli on the corner has got probably 15 feet of, it's on a corner, and so it's got 15 feet of windows on each, or 20 feet on each side, totally boarded up. But it goes all the way down 2nd Street, the grocery store, lots of lots of the shops. Um, and I was in Fishtown, and when I went for a jog, and there's lots of places boarded up there. I think because, like partially, I think, I mean, there's about a lot of activity between I think between North Philly into center city. So like, this is kind of like a thoroughfare to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about the curfews? Like we were already kind of on lockdown and then now it's like lockdown on another lockdown. And I don't mean just from our personal, you know, our personal comfort level, but is it just an excuse for, for the police to arrest anybody yeah. and just have an immediate justification for it? What do you think? I, th I think it's become that. And I think it's, um, I, and I'm not complaining about it from a, a personal standpoint because, you know, I don't go out on a weekday and especially in a pandemic much later than, you know, it's seven if I go for a run and the curfew's at six o'clock. So from a personal standpoint, you know, if I wanted to go a run at six o'clock, I'd, I'd still fucking go for a run. Um, but yeah, I think it's being used because I don't know, like there's lots of different ways to look at a curfew, but at a certain point, I mean, I think at Saturday night and Sunday, it was probably imperative, um, you know, to maintain some sort of semblance of safety and, and peace. But now it's, it's for the most part, from what I can tell, fairly controlled protests, fairly, I don't want to say controlled. I want to say, and I don't want to say necessarily peaceful because I don't know if that's the best way that that's the best form of a protest should take, but it, it not, not extremely disruptive pro protests. And so a six o'clock curfew is kind of ridiculous because they should be only using the most extreme measures because we, we, like, we want, we all need, we all should enjoy liberty as much as possible and the state should only take away from it from us when absolutely imperative is my opinion. And so now it, it's, so what is the reason it's being done? It's not because there's widespread violence. There's just not that I'm aware of in Philadelphia. I haven't, you know, it's definitely cooled yesterday and into today. And so I thought they were going to drop it today. And so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's being used as a way to stop the protests. And I think that's an inappropriate use of that. And I think that's going to ultimately lead to problems because the duration is going to be a problem because people will get angry about the duration of it um, and going to be protesting against that. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a mechanism to say, okay, let's, let's wrap up shop. Why, why in New York city, city that never sleeps there have a curfew at eight o'clock strictly for the, I mean, there is still, I guess, looting going on in New York city, but you know, why does why do the protests have to stop them? Who, who says protests have to stop them? That's the idea of a protest. If there's no rules really, it's, you know, except for, I, I understand they, the police have the, the, um, the job to stop from the destruction and violence. And it's not clear to me that there's any, most of the violence that's happening is just strictly from the clashing between the protesters and the police seems to be. And I think that that could be, and I don't want to sound like I'm an expert on crowd control and protests, but like, um, it's, it's, I, I don't know. So uh, what, what do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I largely agree with what you said. You know, the, it's, it seems worse than saying, hey, don't, don't go out because there's an infectious disease because it seems to, it directly goes to the issue of the power between citizens expressing themselves and the state maintaining safety. And, you know, I'm not an absolutist when it comes to that stuff. Like you said, like, you know, when it was really bad on Friday and Saturday, and you can argue the police just didn't have a handle on it, but now it's almost a week later, and there's still a 6 p.m. curfew, which seems kind of ridiculous to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I think that there's, like I said, I think that problems can arise just from that. Because yeah, like you said, it's, even during the, the the most lockdown of the lockdown pandemic, which is a, a quote unquote lockdown to, for for a public health reason that was very important, that there was there was no curfew here, right? Yeah, um, and I understand there's a different there's different forces here, and we know that that you know bad things can happen more at night, you know they're more likely to happen and can be perpetrated easier at night, and I say bad things in a broad term or things that, that, that police don't want that made a better way to put it. But, but yeah, it, but it's specifically, it's not like, I don't know what other reasons they would impose a curfew anywhere, but it's, it's specifically tied to people's right to protest. And like I said, like, who's to say that the, the daylight hours are the, the only time to protest. It's not like the whole idea is that like, you don't get to make the rules when people protest, like the people make those rules within I think, you know, lawful lines. And so it's, I'm not saying that bothers me clearly more than the greater context that we referred to, but it's, it's greatly tied to it because I think it just is a testament further to trying to stamp down something that, that clearly shouldn't be. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you think the fact that we're on lockdown has increased the intensity of the protests from both sides, just because people have pent up? Obviously, people are rightfully frustrated about the killing in Minneapolis and just police brutality in general. But do you think the intensity and the length of the protests is partly due to the lockdowns and there's just a lot of pent up energy and frustration and there's also not that much else to do. So when you say from both sides, you mean like both the protest and the, the reaction to it? Yeah. So I'm also talking about the, the men wielding yeah. baseball bats and, uh, oh, that, yeah, yeah. Fish oh, town. Also, yeah. also in, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I, I mean, again, speaking from a, a selfish point of view, um, it's, a lot to, it's a lot to handle right now, right? Emotionally and mentally. Um, I think the, the pandemic was one of the most, at that time, the most, one of the most profound things I had experienced in my life. And I would say that this, I'm not gonna you know, use a measuring stick, but this is a, it's on par, right? And so, I think that people had, had been pent up and just emotionally like um, ch charged or whatever word. So I think it's a factor in that sense. But I think that, you know, this is not necessarily my original thought that, you know, picked up from reading things and listening to some podcasts, but it's, you know, these things are inextricably linked because of the pandemic being, you know, what we've seen in the data that um, it's, 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 um, it's hitting minority communities yeah. harder too. That right. is probably and part of it. So it, that was already revealing that the, the application of resources is far from equitable. And that was just like, you know, that was in the news, but it was just like, yeah, like we, we all know that, right? You know, or, or some people might deny, I don't know if some people were denying it, but it's like, it, I, I don't think I was surprised by that. And 
so I think that it, it, it fuels this greater sense. And again, I feel like we might be getting into territory where I'm not necessarily comfortable saying, speaking to what it fuels, but I think it, it is tied to a, you know, the overall lack of equity. And so I think that, and the, you know, I think that those things are inextricably linked. And then I guess third, you know, people have, you know, a lot of people are unemployed right now. And so if there was the requirement to go to the, go to work the next day or go to work during the day, perhaps there'd be less. So in that sense, perhaps it's a, I don't know, maybe this is a weird thing to say, an opportune time because we have a, a national, a different national focus than we've had ever before, different usage of our, our a lot of people's time. So in some senses, is that maybe, you know, a positive thing? I don't know. Not a positive, positive may not be the right word, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, reading a little bit today about some reforms in Pennsylvania and other places that are being proposed, and who knows if, you know, the country, politicians in both the citizenry are going to do enough to make sure everyone follows through with that. But I don't, I don't think it's out of bounds to try to find a silver lining and try to say, hey, something positive could come out of this if I don't think I don't think I've ever seen this many people focused on the issue of police brutality before this wide a range of people, but also just staying focused on it for this long. So I do I am hopeful that some good can come out of this. Yeah, I I think you have to be hopeful. And it's not just I mean, I wouldn't I'm not by no means attributing to like the focus, national focus. Um, to that, it's it's I think primarily um, the the what occurred in Minneapolis, the the murder of George Floyd, and in such you know, like thank God for smartphones and video, um, but the murder that was so prolonged and not by a gun, I think, is actually an important thing. It's so prolonged and intimate and intentional that in a way that I think that a lot of police brutalities and killings are, are, can be hidden behind the, the trigger, you know, the, the, hair, the, the momentary decision to pull the trigger is a very hard thing to, you know, to dissect, I think, and that there's a lot of, things are hidden behind that. And this is very different from that. Um, yeah, like if there was no video of it, it might be something that we read about or saw a news story about. Well, if there's no video, forget it. I mean, because there's been videos and still nothing has happened, I feel like. So yeah, I would say forget that, but I think the nature of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, one of the most startling moments to me of this entire saga was seeing the video clips and images of what seemed to be mostly white men in Fishtown with baseball bats. Yeah, so and Fishtown is, uh, again, for the non-locals, um, is a neighborhood right next to my neighborhood um, uh, it, in kind of north, getting towards northeast Philly. Um, with a, I, I think this is worth mentioning some of the context. It's, it was primarily a working class white neighborhood for many years. Um, experience, I think, it, it's a degree of poverty and drug use, um, and it hit pretty hard times at a certain point. And then it's been in the time since, I guess, probably the late 90s, early two, maybe the early 2000s, has, has experienced a uh, kind of depending on whose lens you're looking through a renaissance or a gentrification um, and, and a lot of young, probably mostly white people have moved in, but a young, I would assume fairly 
liberal. Some people might use the term hipster, but that's, I think, fairly derogatory. And this, you know, I think we want to use more accurate terms. So I'd say young, young people <laughs> um, that weren't from the neighborhood. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's accurate. And I would say, even though it's white people on both sides, predominantly there's definitely a culture clash between the young people moving there who are more cosmopolitan and the people who've lived there, you know, for, for generations who are, tend to be more working class. And like, I don't, I don't want to paint the people with baseball bats with a broad brush. I'm sure some of them were people who saw the looting in Center City and were just like, we don't want that to happen to our neighborhood. But there's also reports of people being, including a reporter, just being chased by men with baseball bats. And what I found most disconcerting about the situation was the way they were treated by the police officers. You know, the yeah. curfew didn't seem to pertain to them the way it did to the people protesting. Yeah, well, so I don't want to paint the people of Fishtown, the, the people who lived there a long time with a, with a, a broad brush. Um, I spent a lot of time there and many of them have been very, very kind and nice to me and to other people I've been with. Um, but I, I think it's fair to say there's a good amount of racism embedded in, in Fishtown. Um, and yeah, what you're saying is that it was absolutely ridiculous because we're saying, and protecting your property is one thing, but they weren't protecting their property. They were roaming the streets with baseball bats, hatchets, and golf clubs. That's not, that's separate. Like, you know, I, I could tell you a story about the situation where I was in, where I thought there was some bad things about to go down in my neighborhood the other night. And I was concerned and I, I would have protected like my property and my, my, my family, but that's not what they were doing. They were roaming the street in an aggressive stance and they were, as you said, aligned with the police officers, the police, they were on the kind of the side of the police officers and they were being aggressive. They were using, um, um, I don't know, hate speech. I don't know. Like, um, you know, derogatory terms towards, uh, people that were protesting ripped up their sign. The people weren't, the people who were protesting weren't coming at those people. And, and so, yeah, one thing to protect your property and your family. It's another thing to roam the streets in an aggressive stance and then for the police to essentially condone it because if, if it was the people protesting or if it was certainly a black person, a group of black people roaming the streets with hammers and knives, or not knives, like uh, baseball bats and, and a hammer or whatever, guaranteed they would have been arrested. So yeah, it's, it's totally ridiculous. Also, I would say extremely predictable because who are those? I don't know. I, don't, I feel like now I'm getting into, I don't want to try not to paint people with broad brushes, but I did say that, you know, there's, there is a good amount of racism in, in Philadelphia's white neighborhoods. Um, we've, I've experienced it. You've experienced it. Um, so I don't want to paint in those neighborhoods with broad brushes because again, I've had also great experience with a lot of people, but those police officers, a lot of them come They're you know, those are, a lot of them are um, Port Richmond and Fishtown or like Polish and Irish neighborhoods. And a lot of those dudes are cops. So those guys probably know each other. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, right. And like we were both saying what troubled us most about it is just, it, it seemed like law enforcement is on one side. There's going to be, you know, we don't, the citizenry is not going to be perfect. And that's sort of exactly what the protesters are complaining about. Yeah, the fair application. Like, yeah, I'm not suggesting that, like, you know, like, like nobody should be, like, especially these tense times, I don't think anybody needs to be, except, you know, on your own property, if you want to, I don't know, you, you want to protect your property, just, yeah, obviously you're right. But, like, nobody, people don't need to be walking around with weapons, and if these pro you know, so yeah, it's the whole thing is about the equal application of justice, and and they would just put in broad, and it was actually in broad daylight, like it had the sun hadn't even set yet, and they were and they were just putting a, a like the, the police there were putting on a show of of exactly what the problem was. So I think, you know, like I said, I I mentioned the context of of Fishtown because it has a 
you know, kind of already a, a you know, clash of cultures for, for quite a few years now, you know, different interests and whatnot, different types of people. Um, I, I think that was very clear there, and, but, it, but it really illuminated. And the mayor did com condemn it, but the question is, What's yeah, it seemed like kind of a weak condemnation from him. I forget the exact quote. Yeah, it was it like, the, it's like we don't it accept like that. A, it was, yeah, but what's, that, that's the thing is like, what, what, so what are you going to do about it, right? Yeah. You know, are, is there an investigation? It, like, because. Is anybody going to be held accountable for it? Yeah, is there any going to be accountability? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been, that, <laughs> definitely, been, definitely been a tough week. Yeah, well, we're not going to cheer anybody up today. We'll cheer them up next week. There may be a two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it can't, yeah. Be, it can't be sunshine jokes and sunshine all the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I did want to, oh, sorry. Did you, did no, you I was just going to say, speaking of weather, as if, as if there weren't enough troublesome things happening in Philadelphia this week, we had some of the weirdest weather I've ever seen yesterday so there was i i learned a new term about Wait, sorry sorry omar do you mind if like since we're still i just want to i want to complete because before we go to the weather i, I do want to talk about that but i, I kind of want to go back to the other part yeah first. that's fine that's fine go yeah. ahead okay yeah so i mean i don't i don't want to um you know i don't know exactly we didn't we didn't plan any topics this is this is part of the podcast by the way starting again so you know this time this time this podcast we didn't really we didn't really plan out ahead of time as we often do pick a couple handful of key topics and segments and whatnot but I didn't want to move on you know from what we were just talking about and we we're talking about the broader context without you know we talked about um our experience and I I, I don't know I don't want to talk about that be, without like I said like um at least talking about how I felt about things you know and um you know I it's it's difficult um, because, I, like I said at the the beginning, like it's 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 easy to you know be consumed with your selfish point of view. But that was you know we talk about on this podcast what we experience and how we feel think about things and and feel about things. Um, but it's definitely been a you know a range of of emotions this week, and I. Um, you know, I don't want to make it, like I said before, sound like I have any of the answers um, or all the answers or that I fully comprehend, you know, the, the pain and, and hurt that Black Americans experience now in this situation and, and enduring long term. Um, You know, or that that my experience is like you know equitable in any way to that, but it's I said like this has been one of the most I think we both agree one of the most challenging weeks that we've experienced um, that haven't fully processed us all, but yeah, I mean, I think I. I understand what you're expressing because I feel the same thing and I will add to that it's not it's not it's not a bad thing or it's I, I mean it's a good thing that people including you are troubled by this you know you're you're not, you're not claiming you're not claiming that you've experienced what you know what African Americans who are constantly hassled by the police all the time experience but you're tr you're troubled by that which i think is a good thing it's not you know it's, it's not an either or where you directly you directly experience it or you have nothing to feel or nothing to say right on yeah that yeah yeah that's fair um yeah i mean so been eight very i mean i think i would have to say any reasonable human being would be angry with the murder that occurred 
and I'm, I'm, I'm failing to remember the, you know, I'm talking about the, the George Floyd in Minneapolis, but also in a very short span of time, failing to remember the name of the woman who was killed in the, the EMT in the no-knock warrant where they went in and shot her basically while she was sleeping. Um, I can fill that in later. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been, yeah, there's been a lot that's happened yeah. too just since George, since the killing in Minneapolis over, in, across the country over the last week as far as uh, just people protesting, seemingly being attacked for no reason. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to run, I'm going to run through a couple of things. Um, so I've obviously been sad. Um, that that's, you know, that's, there's a world, this is the world we live in, that, that there are people that can have, you know, see another human being can, can do that, or that we've have a, a system that, that, that can enable it, has a posture of that kind of force towards, towards people. Um, and it's been, you know, we talked about, you know, frankly, scary. It's been, it's, I don't know if like it's been scary for you at any time, but I, I think the combination of, you know, police helicopters and curfews and booms in the night and looking out the window and wondering what those people are up to and, um, you know. Yeah, it hasn't, it hasn't been as scary for me just because my neighborhood has been a little bit less... Uh, intense than your neighborhood. I'm a little bit scared in general for hopeful, but also scared for the country, just looking at what's going on and are, are there going to be, not that things are ever going to be perfect, but will the system be better and right. more equitable and fairer? Uh, I've a little bit scared in the sense that like I've thought about going jogging past the curfew, but there's part of me that's like, uh, I don't know, especially with my buzz cut and my, I'm gonna be out there by myself if the cops just feel like pulling someone over for no reason, they can just sort of, I don't really wanna give them the excuse to do that. You know, I'd almost feel safer if I was protesting among like hundreds of people than just kind of like being out there by myself in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, yeah. it's a small, it's a small inconvenience, but it's definitely the type of thing that is annoying. Well, but not just annoying, but just, just the thought of that. It's not a thought that really should be crossing your mind. I mean, it's a reasonable thought right now, but I feel like it shouldn't be crossing your mind in, in a, in the country we live in. Um, so that is an unsettling itself. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think that, Ultimately, <laughs> I don't know. So this is a wake-up call, right? It's a wake-up call to different people in different ways. And so, I mean, it's certainly been a wake-up call to me. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, we both already talked about that pretty clear that we feel that, you know, there's prevalence of police brutality towards black people, unfair application of justice. But, you know, I think it's got to be more than that for, I'm speaking for myself. You know, if we know these things exist and we don't like them and we don't do anything about them, you know, and I'm saying again, speaking for myself, am I complicit, you know, and in a way I, I believe so. So, you know, like you said, you have hope, you know, and I think that I have hope and I have, you know, I, I hope that the wake up call, you know, is, I'm, I'm hopeful, but I'm also afraid that, you know, that we will lose interest as a country in this, you know, the momentum that we have now. And I'm frankly, you know, afraid that I'll lose you know, some of the fire I feel now. Um, so, because I think it's, we're talking about something different than, it's not just 
police brutality, right? It's, it's, that's the, that's the, um, you know, the, that's just happens to be the high, the high, you know, kind of where the highest stakes application of systemic racism occurs. It's, it's the highest stakes and where the, you know, the highest consequences, the most brutal consequences take place. But we all, you know, I'm part of a, you know, part of the society. I'm part of a now Comcast large conglomerate that, you know, has lots of power and potential mechanisms for doing more and better. Um, and, you know, I can't say that I've done much besides acting locally, you know, and I've, I guess, you know, optimistically think that like, well, if everybody just acted, you know, use the golden rule, then we would all be good. Right. So, you, so sometimes it's easy to slip into the sense of like, well, I'm acting locally and doing treating people right. And if I see something happening immediately around me, I, sh- I try to call bullshit on it. But, you know, I, th- I think that the, what this is hopefully a wake up call is that that's not necessarily, that's not enough. So I don't know what that all means. Like you said, like I am, you know, mentally fatigued, emotionally fatigued and haven't processed everything. I don't know everything. Um, I don't know what, you know, what action looks like necessarily yet, but I do feel like that's where my head's at. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, that makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think, I do think the issue, I, I, I do think, you know, the issue of, obviously there's a lot of inequality in, in society and it's challenging to deal with it. But I do think police brutality is, is kind of the most gla- glaring ex- example of it. And, you know, we've been, we've been talking about it this entire time and it's just, you know, it, 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 almost, it almost seems like it's run, it's run like, like a business in, in the sense that it's like, well, you know, police officers have quotas and they want to arrest as many people as possible and they, they want to get their stats. And yeah. it's, you know, it all goes back to this idea of this idea of broken windows theory of policing, where it's like, well, you know, you want to get everybody for all these small, small infractions, like a guy selling cigarettes or he's loitering or he jumped a turnstile and we're going to arrest him. And it just leads to the situation where it's like policing has went from pro from reactive to proactive. And it's like, in most things, I think, you know, you want to be proactive, but, when it comes to policing, you don't really want policing to be proactive where they're like, they're not responding to calls. They're just looking to find people to arrest. And I do think that's, and obviously that ties together with, with racism because it's mostly happening in, you know, black and brown neighborhoods where they're looking to, where they're looking to pad their, pad their stats, which is, a weird thing right. to say about I, it. I, and if I could think of a better way to say it, I'd say it. But. Well, yeah, I think well, it's really not just police brutality. I mean, that's, again, like police brutality is the most, when that happens, it's the most dramatic. But you're, you're speaking to, like, the broader more criminal justice system, right? It's, yes. It's yeah. set up in a way that, yeah, like, I mean, that was the problem in Ferguson, or and, and probably could, could be still, I don't even, I don't know for sure, but it was the entire system was, you know, a revenue model basically set up on minor infractions and, and, and putting people into the criminal justice system. And that by, by far was, um, you know, tar- you know, basically targeted towards um, minorities and, and people in poverty. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a broad, it's not just, I mean, it's in, in, in some sense, the, the police are, our pawns in some regard to what you're, what we're talking about of like the broader system of, well, you know, they, they have quotas, they have 
been given directives to arrest people. I mean, now like we've stopped, we've, you know, like, you know, the, the war on drugs is bullshit. <laughs> it's a, it's not a war because drug, drug use is not a, a, an enemy. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, it's just garbage all around. It hasn't paid off. It hasn't worked. So why would we see, keep on fighting it? But it's, it's basically a mechanism. I mean, it's been used as a mechanism to, to target black people and minorities across the board. And it feeds into a broader, you know, the, the mass incarceration in the prison system, the prison, you know, the prison, you know, uh, corporations, essentially. Um, I mean, we're getting into a lot of different territories, but yeah, it's, the policing is, is just one aspect of it, but it's, it's the most, in some cases, uh, yeah, I guess we've already said it. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, it's, yeah, oh, it's just, just before we, another thing I was just curious, like, I mean, if you want to, if, unless you have something else to say on that, like, like what, what kind of things have you been reading lately or listening to or? So. If, if, more, if you want to take some time to prepare, like, I, I don't want to drop this on you. So if, if you're not prepared, we can skip it. No, that's okay. Uh, not, I haven't read this lately, but if anyone's interested in the subject, the best book I've read on the subject matter is probably I Can't Breathe by Matt Kayabi. Uh, it's about the life of Eric Gardner, but it's also about the history of policing in the United States, and it sort of jumps between between those two. And if anyone's looking for some like in-depth background information on policing in the United States, that's the book I'd recommend more than anything. Uh, I had heard of that. That's, that sounds interesting. For sure. uh, Ta yeah, yeah, it's a really good book. Uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates' book, Between the World and Me, is also pretty relevant to this. It's more lyrical and poetic, but it's just sort of an expression of his thoughts on what it's like to be a, a black person in America in fear of the police. And I, ha I haven't been reading any, I haven't been reading anything particularly relevant on, on the topic lately other than uh, stuff you know, articles and keeping up with the news online. Uh, what about you? Is there any particular podcasts or online art or articles? Yeah, I mean, you've read? yeah, some of the things I've, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, um, you know, I guess repealing or getting rid of uh, qualified immunity for police officers. Um, which is, I'm not going to try to articulate the, what specifically what that means, but it's, it's a distinction and, and is like kind of the burden of proof for, you know, there must be Matt, I don't know if burden of the proof, it's like kind of the requirement for, um, like, you know, convicting, and again, I'm, maybe you should say these things, you're a lawyer, but like for, 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 for prosecuting a, and convicting a, a police officer when they do something um, harm, harmful. So, are you familiar with that? Yeah, I mean, it's more challenging to convict a police officer just because they always have the argument of, hey, I was, I was in fear for my life and it's my job to be in these dangerous situations. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I, and I, I, I can't, like, I don't understand, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't even finished what I was going to mention that I was going to um, but there's a, like what I was going to suggest was there's a, a podcast I, I'm in the middle of by, um, it's called More Perfect. It's by Radiolab. And it's it's all about kind of uh, how like constitutional law and Supreme, Supreme Court distinction uh, di decisions. Um, and so um, it, it talks about the origin of that. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I get it. Like a, a police officer's job is, 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 difficult and different from basically any other profession. Um, 
in the way that they engage with, with people in situations they're engaged in. Um, so there, there are different circumstances, it's understandable, but the, it, the way it's been, I think, manipulated and used is, is I think, worth exploring at the very least. So I would recommend that, that, op, that episode on that, but just that, that, that podcast in general is, is really interesting. If you're interested in constitutional law and Supreme Court decisions, um, I mentioned to you earlier today, because I was trying to remember who recommended the podcast to me by uh, Preet Bahara. Um, he's a former U.S. attorney for Southern District of New York. Um, um, great podcast. I mean, started listening to it, I guess, probably around the, uh, around the Trump impeachment, because um, he's obviously got something to say to, you know, the, the process and the prosecution of that and, and whatnot. But then, listen, you know, I think it gives a, he was talking about, you know, this the episode was actually before they, they originally charged only the, the one officer in the Minneapolis killing. Um, but now they've charged more of it. So this was talking about, it was kind of in between those other officers being charged. And so he's got a very, you know, he's a, he's got a, a view into the criminal justice system. It's, you know, very deep and you know, he's been, been around the block. And so to hear his perspective on, on these things um, it, and is, is really informative. And he's also, I don't know, you know, it gives you sense that, you know, the criminal justice system is, um, you know, we talk about it being inequitable and, and dangerous, but there are also a lot of good people involved, obviously. And to hear the way, the compassion with which he speaks, I think is, is comforting, I guess. And the third thing is not something I've read, but something I um, saw recommended um, about the, it's called, the, it's, a, it's a book or audio, well, it's a, I guess it's a book and an audio book. Um, the Assassination of Fred Hampton, How the FBI and the Chicago Police Murdered a Black Panther. And this came from somebody, you know, I can't, it was somebody had shared something on Facebook, but it had, this author who's written in this area had recommended this, kind of talking about our, you know, basically white America's perception of the Black Panthers and therefore black protest in general, how it's been basically marketed to us from an early day by, and this is not like conspiracy theory stuff. This is the FBI, you know, they had the operation COINTELPRO to uh, undermine, um, alienate in some cases, you know, kill, um, you know, I guess, um, people involved in, um, what are they, what are they like dissident, dissident, is that the right word? Um, Our dissidents. Yeah, dissidents, okay. that kind of thing, political dissidents and whatnot. So, um, so I, I was going to get into that. I was going to check that out because, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that what a lot of most Americans think of Black Panthers, I'm, I'm assuming, think they were mostly like a violent group. Um, I think that that's what mostly has been highlighted and, and talking about the incidents where there were confrontations with police and I'm not speaking specifically to those, but um, you know, they were, um, you know, I think that that was it, like, so the point of this book is that it's been a kind of, it was a very effective marketing campaign by the FBI to, to, to position Black Panthers and more broadly any black protest as a kind of a violent uh, entity or, or movement. I think it speaks to a lot of the way that how uncomfortable, you know, these protests make uh, America at large or some factions of America. Gwen, what's the, what's the name of that book again? The Assassination of Fred Hampton, How the FBI and the Chicago Police Murdered a Black Panther. Well, wow. so, sounds interesting. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not necessarily endorsing it because I haven't read it yet, but I thought it was uh, timely. Uh, I was going to check it out. Yeah, yeah. So any, should we wrap it up there? Any final thoughts or questions? 
Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, like I said, like <laughs> um, we um, we typically for these podcasts um, for the listener at home, we you know we typically outline some topics and we for for the podcast and you know, we have some a lot of it's pretty loose, but um, we kind of have a sense of the flow. And then we hadn't recorded for like a week because we we're trying to kind of figure out our, our new schedule, what day of the week. I think, it was like, I think it was two weeks. Yeah, it was like two weeks, which is the longest since we started. I think we'll be approaching, this will be our, I think, eighth episode. So Eight, eight or nine, yeah. Yeah, I had thrown out there like, um, oh, like, why don't we do it? This was last week. Like, why don't we do a podcast without assigning any topics? And um, they're like, oh, yeah, sure, let's try that out. Um, but then I guess, you know, we kind of both came on onto the podcast tonight. It was pretty clear what we were going to talk about. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. But I don't know. I mean, I'm... Yeah, it would have felt, it would have felt weird well, to just do our regular podcast. That would have been, uh, been weird. Um, a little tone deaf. Um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, uh, I'll be frank. I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm mentally exhausted. Um, just again, speaking selfishly, the pandemic, the, um, you know, yeah, the unrest for lack of a better term, it's pretty exhausting. And I've had a stomach ache for the past two days. Um, <laughs> uh, but, um, well, you, you did bring something up. I don't know. Maybe tornadoes are more fun. Maybe if we're going to have something quote unquote fun to end on. Should we talk about the tornado? Because it seems like the least of our problems. Yeah, like, so early, early in the day yesterday, we had some pretty heavy wind and rain and wasn't that bad where I am, at least. I, you know what it is? There's no trees where I live. So there, were, I didn't, mm. there was no trees to knock down because there's no trees really here. But... You know, the city got hit pretty hard with like 80 mile an hour winds. Uh, you, you lost electricity though, right? Yeah, we have, we have never lost electricity that I can remember from a, from a storm. I mean, we lived here like 10 years. Even during Hurricane, I think it Hurricane Sandy, even, even then we didn't lose power. And not that we got hit. We got hit pretty good though. So like um with winds and so like yeah we lost power and then we're both working from home obviously and Bo's working in the side room and there's freaking water coming in the, through the ceiling we've never had that before I, I know there used to be some like I see some old water damage and I had the roofer look at it and he said oh that's probably just that's probably just old water damage so there's water trickling down the corner from the ceiling and it was going on top of my guitars um so we're like, you know, scrambling to like get some towels. Luckily it wasn't like persistent for too long. Like the rain didn't last too long and that, that only, so like, like and then that happened again. Um, so we lost power and I uh, was working. And so I had to use my phone as a hotspot for internet. And um, then it happened again, like later that night we were like cooking dinner, finished grilling. And then we had like another one of those got like crazy storms and more water was coming in. So that kind of happened again. And then, I went out and looked at our car and our car had gotten a piece of plywood had been picked up by the wind and smashed in the roof of the, the car. So we got hit pretty hard. And did you get a tornado warning on your phone? My phone was blasting with a tornado warning. Yeah. Um, yeah. I Bo was freaking out. I mean, I mean, none of the, none of that is good, but like um, we don't have a lot of windows in our apartment and it's a really you know, it's a, a big old brick warehouse. So like, it's pretty secure, but she was like getting a little bit freaked out. Yeah, nor I feel like I've, in my life, I have seen tornado warnings and usually I just sort of brush them off. But with everything happening this week, I was like, you know what, I think I'm gonna actually heed the call and go in my basement. I can do what <laughs> I'm doing right. I can do what I'm doing right now in my basement. So yeah. I'm just gonna do it for like, half an hour. It felt a little bit ridiculous, but it's kind of the only time I've used my basement since I've lived here, really. So I was like, well, I might as well get some juice out of it. Yeah, and you have a semi... Is your basement finished? 
I'd say semi-finished is accurate. It's yeah, yeah. I'd say semi-finished is accurate. So you can still sit down there and read or listen to a podcast. Uh, you know, it's, it's not like shelter. It's not from like you'll be. Yeah, you can you can shelter from a storm down there. So. I felt a little ridiculous, but. Yeah, so so I guess we're gonna have to take our car to a body shop. So that'll be fun. All right. Well, um, I don't know. Should we wrap it up there? Yeah. Won't we? Won't we wrap it up there? Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we're you know we're both just sort of processing our thoughts, but uh, we we do appreciate everybody who listens. Yeah. And, uh, Feel free, feel free to email us with any of your thoughts, anything you think we maybe failed to consider or just anything you have to add. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, what's, what's the email address again? I should know it by now. At plasticcupsinsidepapercups at gmail.com. You're putting me on the spot. I think it's <laughs> uh, – I'll, I'll cut it in because I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, I hope we did a good enough job and um, – you know, we'll see you next time. Yep. See you next week. Ready. Finish. Stop recording here.